Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. This is a recording of a live Q&A I did with Andy, plus a bit of a presentation on limiting beliefs. So hopefully this is really useful to you and give us a tag and let us know if it is at ESG Fitness. And if you want to sign up to Commit to Six, that's esgfitness.co.uk. Enjoy. Like really strange. I don't know. I I wouldn't say so. <laughs> right. Well, we're live now, so welcome. Okay. I'm really excited today. Like I'm in a great mood, and Commit to Six starts on Monday, and I'm just excited. If you haven't signed up already, you have literally less than 24 hours to sign up because tonight i'm gonna start writing everyone's programs oh 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 yeah okay so we're gonna go we're gonna do two things today one we're gonna do a q a and then two we're gonna go through some limiting beliefs and break those down for you <laughs> in a really scottish accent uh should we start should we start with q a yeah i've got it here Cool. Okay, right. Number question one. Number one. Uh, what happens after the six weeks? Do you still have access to the app on subscription? So basically, after the six weeks, you have the opportunity to go to the graduate scheme, which is committed. So we've got a, quite a few people who are finishing up commit to six at the moment who are going to be moving over, as well as a whole host of other people who some folk have been committed for. Up the, about a year yeah just over a year up, something up to a year so yeah so you can't you, there is the opportunity to go towards committed which is like just the graduate scheme it changes it varies slightly and it's every it's a four week um rolling thing rather than six weeks but the option is there to move on and to continue on and keep progressing with yourself or, or with what you're wanting so yeah yeah realistically like two weeks can get you far but usually you need a little bit more than that to get the results that most people are looking for which is why we have the committed program and yeah as andy's saying it changes to a monthly direct debit which you can cancel at any time but that was just actually just feedback that was easier for people rather than every six weeks which can end up in the middle of the month and then you've not you don't know when it's coming out um, yeah it was just easier for people just to have monthly and then they know exactly when it's coming out so that is why that's done like that you stay with your coach you get exactly the same support that you did on commit to six and then you get new workouts and things as we progress through that as well so yeah cool a question from karen if you want to build muscle and you and you do have body fat can you just have maintenance calories hard to put in to put what i mean in words but if you have lots of wobbly bits perimenopausal want to build muscle um, you need more calories question mark does that mean you'll get more wobbly bits sorry if this makes no sense i know what i mean but hard to put into words babe i know i know what you mean i know what you mean because i think a lot of people get confused by this and rightly so because basically it's different depending on the situation that you're in so there is a notion that you need to be in a surplus to build calorie to build muscle so you you know a hypertrophy phase where you're in a calorie surplus that isn't quite true like it's not as simple as that if you already have a lot of stored energy i.e body fat you certainly don't need to be in a surplus to build muscle and if you're like if, if you're in your position let's just use you as an example so you're perimenopausal you've got a little bit of extra body fat to lose the goal is to lose body fat but you also want to build muscle do you need to be in a surplus to build muscle? No, is is the end of that. Uh, we will make sure that you are stimulating that muscle by resistance training, doing the program that we're doing. You'll be that's the whole design around it is to maximally build muscle for you. As long as you're also recovering and getting in enough protein, yes, you'll be able to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. When you do both, the process is slightly slower. But that's absolutely fine because essentially what you want is both of those things instead yeah. of putting yourself in a position where you're maybe going to build more muscle slightly quicker and i would even suggest potentially not that much quicker or not to a noticeable degree anyway given this certain situation and you're in a surplus but you actually want to lose body fat so that's going to be the opposite of what you would want to do on that front 
um yeah you can do both at the same time and we can help you do that for sure perfect uh, olivia uh, you've said before that fat gets harder and harder to lose the less of it you have is it a case of keeping reducing calories so you continue to lose fat or just stick at the same deficit level appropriate for your current weight but just be really really patient oh good question it's a bit of both really isn't it do you want to start yeah. on that one yeah so obviously we have this thing this comes up quite a lot when people have trimmed off quite a whack of body weight or body fat sorry um and obviously the lighter they become the harder they find or the harder they take the scales not moving as much so the lighter you are the less your body you have to lose so it's going to be a really slow process um once you get to a certain point where you're lean enough and your body is going well there's not really much else for us anything else for us to lose so yeah i think you what you've got to look at on that one is if you are the, the sort of the deficit may become slightly smaller because obviously the percentage will come smaller because your calorie um, needs are smaller so the deficit will be slightly less and also you don't really want to get to a point where calories where you're finding that you're struggling for energy training goes to shit your sleep's crap um you know i think at that point that's where you maybe a lot of people start to have that thought pattern of actually i might start to look to try and build a bit of muscle maybe move back up to maintenance for a spell um and start working from there but that's the kind of stuff again that we you know the as we go with the check-ins if you if you've signed up for commit to six um or you know if you decide to go one-to-one -one, a lot of it is just about that constant communication with your coach being able to understand you know understand what's going on and when we need to change things so i think the biggest frustration as a coach is watching people throw all the tools in the toolbox out straight off the bat so they're doing copious amounts of steps seven training sessions a week potentially more uh, they're also bottomed their calories out they are you know it's you know take it easy don't rush it um because you need to have something left in the tank that if things do start to plateau somewhere to go after that yeah and i think sort of the misconception with that is that so a lot of people say that you don't want to throw all your tools at the same thing at, or all your tools tools at it at one time which essentially means you don't want to drop your calories massively you don't want to have be doing excessive amounts of steps and excessive amounts of workouts because yeah. it will leave you nowhere to go i think that that's slightly misleading because it's not that it will leave you nowhere to go it's that you won't be able to maintain it thus you'll have yeah. nowhere to go right yeah, yeah. like if you were actually able to do all of those things consistently then essentially you would get results but you're probably going to burn out because you're human like and i'm not saying that as in like you need to work harder like i would burn out as well and they would burn out as well there's a reason we don't do that as well it's about managing your energy levels and the podcast i just did about comparing fat loss to a marathon and and really it's not i think when people hear just that line they're like right okay so it's slow and steady wins the race kind of thing no no it's more about the idea of tapering like it doesn't have to be a marathon like could actually it could be a one mile race and in fact probably that is a better analogy really because there is a specific speed at which you should run a one mile race and that's going to be very different for everyone and the pacing strategy within that is so important if you've ever watched like an 800 meters or a 1500 meters they don't actually do the one mile race on the track very often but let's just say a 1500 meters pacing is like the key thing there you see people go too fast too soon and they just die and that's exactly what happens with your fat loss like there's so much lactic in your legs accumulated there's no way you could possibly run any faster and and it's not it's not a willpower thing it's like you've mispaced this you've put too much in and now you can't go any faster and actually you can barely walk like you see that sometimes more so in amateur races because professionals are quite good at this but you still see it in professionals as well people who don't pace well enough and that's what happens a lot with fat loss is that you get impatient. So you throw in everything and you're like, oh, I've not lost weight in three days. Great. I'm going to drop my calories again. Like, And then it leaves you nowhere to go and you burn out. And actually that makes the process take longer. So what's kind of ironic about the whole thing is that you're dropping calories or you're adding in workouts or you're adding in steps 
with the notion that it's gonna create a bigger deficit and make fat loss faster that isn't how it works that you can't really speed up that process you can to an extent but you can't just drop lower and lower and lower in the hope that you're going to get results quicker because actually that's what will make the process take longer the amount of times you have to quit restart and actually regroup and kind of bring your willpower up again and get over that you know initial throwing everything at fat loss and then start again like that makes the process so 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 much longer not only from a like practical standpoint which is what we've just spoken about but also your mindset you feel like you failed on another diet you then have to like emotionally get ready to do it again and that can take months that can take months of then like being ready to make that change again purely because you've overshot it and that's why it's so important to have coaches or it's so useful to have coaches and someone guide you because we're like no no we're not going to drop calories we're just going to stick where we are because yeah the scales haven't changed but that doesn't mean that you're not losing body fat like that's such a fundamental thing for people to understand just because the scales haven't dropped it doesn't mean your body fat hasn't dropped yeah um so that's one aspect the the other thing what was the initial question again because there was other things i wanted to say on that but we kind of went off you said that before that fat gets harder and harder to lose the less of it you have yeah okay so there are a couple of reasons for this one as andy's touched on i think when you start with a lot of body fat to lose it's quite motivating because you tend to see the scales drop a fair amount now there'll be times when you're relatively lean and you don't have much left to lose that you won't see any difference on the scales for weeks potentially so like although you have progress photos how you feel how you're performing how you look what your measurements are you've got other markers sometimes you're almost going blind and you do have to as much as sometimes i don't like this saying trust the process and it's not blindly trusting the process it's trusting the process that we have set out and that we've explained well to you so you understand why it works like you are creating a small deficit that way your body is then forced to use its own energy stores for for energy i.e your body fat stores to fuel energy and that's how you're losing body fat so when you understand the process it's sort of like it becomes a little bit easier to trust that that is happening even though you can't physically see it at the moment or you can't see it week on week so that's one element is like the motivation side of wanting to see the scales change and then there is like the very real element of your body not wanting to lose more body fat so it pushes back to an extent so it will mean that it probably gets you to move slightly less or, or, and this is like subconsciously. So it could even be things like fiddling. I mean, with um, Fitbits and stuff now, it's a little bit easier to monitor that, but there's numerous studies that have been shown. Like even I quite like the animal studies for this just because it kind of takes out some of the human behavior around technology and things like that. But it's been shown that if you take a whole group of mice and you put them all on the same relative deficit, the what not all of them will lose the same amount of weight. So they're in the same calorie deficit, but they won't all lose the same amount of weight. And the difference between the weight loss between all of them is how much they compensate for reduced energy intake by reducing energy expenditure. So essentially how much they move less fully accounts for how much less they've lost compared to other mice. So that kind of shows the importance of your energy output, not just your energy intake. Um, so that's part of it. And then hunger levels can ramp up as well. So again, like just makes it harder for you to actually stick to that deficit. And then the last thing which Andy touched on really well was the fact that you are a smaller person. So if you look at what makes up your total daily energy expenditure, a large part of that is your basal metabolic rate. And most of your basal metabolic rate is just attributed to how big a person you are, like how much mass there is to maintain there. So if you have less total mass to maintain, i.e. let's say you've lost eight kilograms already, your basal metabolic rate will be slightly lower, which means your energy needs are slightly lower, which means that even if you're in the same or you're eating the same calories, you will be in a reduced deficit. So that is one time you might want to reduce your calories to maintain the same deficit, or you might just want to accept that fat loss is a little bit slower and have a better quality of life with slightly higher calorie intake. Bosh. 
Um, Molly. Excellent um, question. When working out calories, if I walk an average of 20,000 steps a day, would I class myself as active or very active on the TDE scale? Um, and then the second question, there's a second. What was that, uh, Andy? The TDEE scale. Oh, yes. Okay. I see. Um, and then Helen's gone in with a similar question, um, which we will come to after we've answered this one. Um, so when working out calories, if I walk around average of 20,000 steps a day, would you class myself as active or very active? So there isn't specific guidelines exactly like that, which is kind of annoying. Most of these equations work on a really quite a generic thing. So it's essentially what is your job? And it's like if you have an active job, then you're very active. And if you've got an inactive job, then you're not very active. So I would suggest that 20,000 steps is very active. Like I doubt there's many people that get much more than that habitually, like frequently um saying that it it almost like this is almost a moot point because these equations are so erratic anyway and and can be so off anyway that really you're just looking at starting point like i'd say i literally feel like a broken record here but it is it is potentially a sensible starting point for you there's nothing more than that to a calorie calculator and honestly i think that I could just, and this is what I do with Commit6, I just read people's information, know how heavy they are, like I know all the information about them given the type form. So if anyone's doing Commit6 and they're wondering how I figure this out, like I don't use a calculator anymore because they're so ridiculously inaccurate and actually this Commit6 is going to be slightly different so I've got a little bit of a presentation that I'm going to run you all through but it not just, it explains why and how we've given you all the targets that we've given you. Um... Yeah, so so that's really useful, but essentially it goes through as well, like some of the research behind calorie calculators and why they're actually not particularly appropriate, especially the ones that are generically used within the fitness industry, including the one that was on my website until yesterday when I took it down, uh, finally, just because I just felt like, I don't know, I just, like, the numbers are just, I know that people want a starting point and it's probably an all right starting point, but generally, I honestly think that just being like, do you know what? 1800 calories i'll start on monitor it adapt it see what happens if i need to lower it i'll lower it if i need to increase it i'll increase it it almost doesn't matter where you start as long as it's not ridiculously low or ridiculously high yeah exactly and i think helen's question is pretty much the same thing what should she put into the calorie calculator for a certain amount of uh, activity so this is a, as, as emma has just mentioned um calorie calculators can be like absolutely mental like if you use my fitness pal for working you honestly some of the calorie calculations that come out of that thing are absolutely crazy so like if you're trying to lose weight like i've seen some one a, a client who's 95 kilo meal and they they're on 1300 calories a day like that's yeah you're going to lose weight but you're not going to be there for long because as mentioned previously you're going to burn out very very quickly on those calories so you know between myself and emma we've got well you'll have what 10 years experience 10 years plus now yeah and i'm 20 years so we've got 30 years experience in the field um together and i have not used a calorie calculator in probably the last 10 years um it's genuinely about eyeballing a client if you're working with them in person or for as exactly as emma said the information that we get across weight um how what we class as your activity levels um, and then just making a, a guess. It's, it's virtually a guesstimate because things will need to be manipulated. Things will need to be changed. And what you'll find is these things, this is why you have your check-ins with your coach is that if something needs to be manipulated, we can chat about that, make a decision and then work it from there. Um, There's the a lot office- of other things that like calorie calculators don't take into account as well. Like previous dieting history, has an impact on your energy balance needs um your relationship with food is the primary one that it doesn't account for if if in your information you're like yeah i've struggled a few times with binge eating 
cool we're gonna have you start on higher calories because that's like i mean that just sorting that out in itself will probably have you lose weight and that's the most important thing there and then maybe at some point once you develop a better relationship with food and you trust yourself not to binge and these things are under control then maybe we lower your calories if required but a lot of the time it isn't required but all these much 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 more important things aren't considered in these calorie calculators like please please don't start like keep taking them as like gold because they're really really not in fact andy i'm gonna lose you for like a second but i just want to show everyone so this is yep oh can people see that yeah i think they can so this is the one of the slides from the welcome presentation but essentially it's showing you that this was a meta-analysis on calorie calculators and 33 percent of all predictions were inaccurate with the best reaching only 60% of accuracies across weight groups. So most people use the Harris-Benedict equation within fitness, but there's actually 18 different equations. In fact, there's way more than 18, but this um, meta-analysis looked at the 18 most commonly used equations. Um, wow. That's a crazy number of equations to try and work that out. Yeah, well, they're all, so they're all for different population groups, right? So you'll have like yeah. the Harris-Benedict, which most people use, um there's one called the who equation which is probably better used for leaner individuals so harris benedict is kind of general population to overweight is the the population that these equations were built around for that specific um equation and there's one that's more appropriate for obese individuals but that was actually shown to be ridiculously inaccurate in this study but anyway they they also concluded that 18 different equations were compared with indirect calorimetry, which is the gold standard for measuring your total daily energy expenditure. But also you need a lab to do it. And in some ways it's quite, um, what's the right word? Like not transferable. That isn't the right word, but it isn't transferable. No, no, you're, because... you're one, one letter out, non-transferable. Non-transferable. Uh, because you're set in set sitting in a metabolic chamber in order to get these measurements done. So anyway, they found that when you compare to gold standards, um, the error is two hundred and thirty three to four hundred and twenty six calories a day, right? Which for most people, especially women, would negate your whole deficit. Which is again why we're not saying to you know if you get a calorie number from a calorie calculator and it's not working for you change it because it's probably not right for you like you need it's a good starting point be consistent with it but really see it as like literally a starting point from which to monitor and adapt and that's exactly what you do at check-ins that's why we have the check-ins that's why we're doing you know the daily accountability if you find that you can't adhere to these calories they're not the right number for you or there's something wrong with the composition of those calories. So what you're actually eating, again, this is the kind of stuff that we cover and that we help you with. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I'm quite passionate about that topic. Uh, <laughs> and we're back in the room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is that all the questions or have we got more? That's, that is all the questions. Excellent. Okay. So, Andy, can you see the live? Yes, I can. Right. I'm just going to get up um, because it'd be good to get your thoughts on these, actually, because I talk about them quite a lot. So everyone probably knows what I'm going to say, but they might not know what Andy's going to say. Okay, so we thought what would be very useful, hopefully, for everyone is to go through some thought thought processes that generally hold you back. So my computer might crash. Let's just see if this is going to work. Um, well, you know what? I probably can't make it a full presentation because I think my computer might crash if I do that. But you can all see, you can all see it anyway. So all you can't see is Andy, but Andy, you can see, right? So it says, yeah, I can see. yeah. So the first one is, if I can't do it perfectly, there is no point. So my thoughts on this, and then I'm going to get Andy's are that this perfectionist mindset is usually just a form of procrastination. And generally, there is no place for perfectionism in how you live your life. And really, really, like, 
really important point to make, especially not in your diet. Because I think that, and honestly, perfectionism, true perfectionism in dieting is essentially an eating disorder. Like that isn't what we're striving for here. Um, and that can really limit you. And that, that can be when like dieting turns bad, when you're trying to be perfect with everything and you don't give yourself any leeway whatsoever. So that's something we want to avoid, obviously. And yeah, I just generally think that a lot of the time people see perfectionism or they, they'll say things like, yeah, well, I'm just a perfectionist as if it's like a badge of honor. And like, even I'm quite, I think because I've worked so hard against this for myself, like I've very much had perfectionist tendencies. And I, I like one of my mates the other day was like, oh yeah, like I'm sure, I can't remember what I was doing, but they were like, oh, I'm sure it'll be perfect. And I was like, it won't be perfect. <laughs> it won't be perfect. And I was sure, like, yeah, anyway. Um, thoughts on this, Andy? Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, the issues with aiming for perfection is, is that you're putting yourself up on a pedestal that's going to have a serious sore landing when you fall off it. So rather than aiming at perfection, that's something I always tell people, is rather than aiming at perfection, just simply aim to be better. Like, just do something better each day. You know, we we try to get you to do non-negotiables for your week so like adding one in one in per day you know just try to make it slightly better so uh, you know for instance your protein intake um, I was at 80 I was at 80 grams yesterday I'm trying to get to 100 grams tomorrow I'll try and hit 90 that's where my that's where my middle ground is um because as you said you know perfection perfection's a strange one because everybody wants to attain it but if you can attain it it doesn't happen for very long because it's genuinely going to end up with a bump at the far end when one day you miss it all and then your world comes tumbling down so yeah perfection for me is you know i've i've learned that you know failures like failure drawing a line learning from it moving on just simply be better that's all it is yeah funny you should say that because it's exactly my next slide is any action (laughs) is better than inaction success is built on imperfect action failure and iteration so learning from that failure, changing and making sure you're better the next time. And then I think this is a Roosevelt quote, I think. But it is that it is always better to do something imperfectly than to do nothing perfectly. And like that, if there was like a catchphrase for commit to six, like that would be it. It is always better to do something imperfectly than it is to do nothing perfectly. And to add on to that, you will get, like the vast majority of your results from being pretty imperfect. And I've spoken to a few people today because this always seems to be the thing before people sign up. Like, I'm worried I won't be able to stick to it. And I think because they've maybe done over restrictive programs in the past. And I'm like, that's not what this is about. That's not what we're about here. Yes, we will push you. And if you want to be pushed, you will be pushed really freaking hard. Like, it's not about just letting you do whatever you want or and not getting results. Like we will hold you accountable to the goals that you've set, but it's not about being perfect and you can absolutely do it with a busy life. Like that is the whole point. We want you to have a busy life, live a busy life. Like, you know, maybe busy is not the right word, but a full life with many things going on, but still reach your goals. Lindsay's just commented saying, this sounds like me. Like it, it sounds like most people for sure. Like yeah. most people are well, trying to strive to be perfect. Probably one of the reasons that so it's one of the reasons that so many people end up end up failing is because um, if they feel that they can't do it perfectly, that's it. I'm just chucking it out the window. I'm not interested anymore. Where exactly as you said there with the your quote is that I think the other one is is that eighty um, percent of something's better than a hundred percent of nothing. So you know you can aim for perfection, um, but it's genuinely not going to it's genuinely pretty unachievable and we want you just to exactly as emma said we want you to have a social life we want you to be able to socialize with friends go out for dinner and stuff you know yes we're all going to have slip-ups and it's just a case of you know that imperfect action of i've had a slip-up i've learned from it and then we move on agreed right next one it is safer to do nothing than to try. Like that's that's the negative mindset thought. Oh, of course it's safer to do nothing, but where's the fun in that? Like, <laughs> there's no fun in that. 
Yeah. So I've written under this, there is only true failure in never trying. More regret comes from inaction than the wrong action. I yeah. like that. Yeah, massively. I think um, I've I've kind of having a sporting background. Probably you'll be the same as well. The the kind of the failures that you've had through your sporting career when you were when you were competing and stuff are the places where you learn the most. You know the the games of football where you know I got beat or you know the things that didn't work out got released from contracts and stuff like that. These they are the places where I've learned the most about myself. They learned the most about what my um, my mind's like when I'm put under adversity. You know, these are the things that, you know, it's it's much, it would be much easier just to sort of try and put yourself, stick your head in a bucket and not, and try not to do anything and just get on with life. But, you know, who cares? Like, you know, if, if you fail, get back up, try again, take it as a learning lesson. You know, there's nothing better than trying something and who knows, you might get it right. Well, yeah, and you're definitely going to get it wrong if you don't even try. So there's yeah, that. Exactly. There's that as well. And <laughs> I mean, some entrepreneurs or like businesses, like I think it's Netflix. I listened to a podcast with the owner of Netflix or the CEO or something, and he was saying that they were getting too many hits. I.e., they they weren't doing enough shows that weren't popular. That that was like a problem that he had because that showed him that they weren't taking enough risk. And he wanted yeah. to have more shows that didn't work because that would show that you're taking enough risk to grow and to innovate. So some people can, to and be I fair, think there's it a takes, lot of shite on Netflix. <laughs> there is a lot of shite on Netflix. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but I think it takes um, like a while to get your head into the space of actually almost looking for failures and not failures but like if you're if you've never failed it's because you've never taken enough risk like there yeah. will all it's almost inevitable that you will fail at something and i think some people whenever i say the word failure it's like, oh no, no no it's not it's not a failure until you've given up and like i i just think we shouldn't be so scared of the word like it is a failure like you have failed at something but that's fine like you haven't failed at life you failed at one tiny aspect, which you can learn from and you can move on and you can do it better the next time. Or you can say that, actually, I don't want to do that. It was the wrong thing. Yeah. That's which it. is fine to say as well. Just, yeah, it's the same thing as like, you know, I think learning these things, you know, failure um, teaches you where you need to put your effort. So, you know, if you try something, you're good at it, you'll stick at it. If you're not, you learn from that and fit and go, actually, I'll put my efforts elsewhere where I know I'm better. It's just a learning experience. Yeah, I, uh, so I failed at quite a lot of things after uni. Like I tried a lot of different things. I dropped out of a lot of different things. I de- like I definitely failed at a lot of things before I figured out what I actually wanted to do, which is part of figuring out what you want to do, by the way. But yeah. that is really hard to see when you're in it. And I remember my mum being like I mean so supportive but I think I dropped out of like (laughs) my second PhD (laughs) no no I only dropped out of one PhD but anyway I'd like dropped out of like the third thing that I tried and uh and I remember her just being like well you figured out that isn't what you want to do that's fine and I'm like right that feels like a bit like a big (laughs) way to figure out you don't want to do something she's like yeah, well, you just keep trying different things and you'll figure out what it is you want to do. And at the time I was like, that is so ridiculous. And I just couldn't see it. But once you get perspective over it, like she's absolutely right. You know, at that age, like how how on earth are you meant to know what you want to do before you've tried things? Like you'll have this vague idea of what, I don't know, doing a PhD is like or working in a certain job is like. You never actually know what it's like until you get there. Like, you might have an idea that you want to be a lawyer. You don't freaking know if you want to be a lawyer. You've never been a lawyer. Like, you don't know. You might be like, oh, you know, being a fireman sounds pretty cool. And, like, I think I'd enjoy that job. You don't have a clue if you would enjoy it until you're actually doing it. So, yeah, like, if you're stuck in a career that you don't enjoy or you're worried about the fact that you've tried something and realised you don't enjoy it, don't be. Like, that's completely normal. Um, okay, next one. I overate, so I may as well continue. 
this is a common one. Very common. Yeah. Very, very common. So I've I've written some things like this. Would you slash all of your tires if you had a puncture in one of them? Would you drop out of university because you failed because you had like one reset to do? Would you spill some milk and then think, well, I've spilled a little bit of milk. I may as well pour the whole thing of milk all over the kitchen. Or like, would you like drop one plate and then think, may as well smash up the whole kitchen? Like, no, you wouldn't do these things. They're absolutely ridiculous. But lack of perspective over things and kind of what I was just talking about, like having lack of perspective can make really small slip ups or tiny failures feel massive feel like there's no point even doing it anymore so it is ridiculous when you look at like the context of your diet as a whole say over the six weeks of commit to six and you're like yeah on day three I ended up having a pizza so I just thought fuck it not gonna get results now may as well just overeat for the rest of the six weeks when you look at it in a bigger picture of like this is a six week thing and even realistically it's more than a six week thing this is your life right this is however long it needs to be but you're letting one tiny slip up impact the rest of the six weeks or the rest of like the journey towards whatever body composition is your goal. It just seems so ridiculous, but it's really hard to get that perspective when you're in it yourself, which again is why it's useful to have coaches, to have the group. Like this is the sort of thing that happens like frequently in the group. Someone will be like, hey guys, I went over this weekend. It feels like I've ruined all my progress. And then everyone's like, don't be so ridiculous, you haven't. But actually hearing so many people say that same thing to you and be like, yeah, I did the same a couple of weeks ago, but hey, guess what? I got back on track. And, you know, and it's one thing having the coaches tell you that, but it's quite another thing having 50 other people also comment being like, don't you dare give up. Like, you've come so far and you've had one tiny, tiny slip up. Don't let that ruin your progress. So the last thing I've written on this is your results come from the average of your actions. And as soon as you, like, that's a really simple line, right? But I want you to really think about it and pick it apart a little bit. Your results come from the average of your actions. So one action in isolation does nothing for you, whether it's a quote unquote good action or a bad action. Like it does nothing for you. It is the average of your actions. So when you get perspective, like that requires some perspective to actually internalize and actually understand and start implementing that, that you are the average of what you do. Exactly. Uh, Anything else to to say on that? Nothing to add? That's nailed. Okay, I'll let you start on this one. It's just... You need to tell me. (laughs) It's just the way I am slash I can't help it. Um, It's a little bit of a sad mindset to have isn't it um yeah i think it's 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 definitely one of those ones where exactly you know you are in full control of what you do and you need to adult yourself at times so you hear us talking about this on podcast regularly about putting your adult pants on and just getting shit done sometimes you're gonna have to do that and this is where sometimes it's quite funny because it always people always come in oh i need tough love i need a tough love the tough love speech and you sit and go actually you don't you just need a little bit of guidance and it's like you can't handle the tough love speech the tough love speech put on the big pants and get your shit done because yeah it is it's you know unfortunately nobody's going to do shit for us unless you still love a mum and dad and you are friggin molly coddled which I would hope that most people in their adult life are now not. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, it's one of those ones where like, as soon as I turned 18, I wanted to be independent and do my own stuff. So um, my dad was great with that stuff. He was like, right, on you go. You always know you've got a bed back at home if everything goes tits up. Um, so you know where you need, you know you've got a bed here if ever, anything ever falls apart. Um, but apart from that, get out and get stuff done and I think that's kind of just it's kind of a thought pattern that you're going to have to start bringing to the table when you do when you step up and decide to do something like this you are going to have to adult yourself you are going to have to make difficult choices of oh I'm supposed to go out three nights this week but actually 
I can't really do that with the calories I'm on. I may only need to go out. I may only have to go out twice. You know, sometimes those decisions need to be made and only you can do it. Like, yeah, we can or, or get... accept the fact that, you know, to have it, you don't need to overeat to have a good time. You can go out and exactly. stay within your calories. It's very, very yeah. doable. Uh, yeah. Lindsay's just commented saying that sounds like someone who just who is just not ready to change. And sometimes that is the case that it wasn't really the angle I was going at from this and I'll come on to that but a point Andy made about and actually someone's just written here like taking responsibility so so important and it's why we do the daily accountability so the daily accountability isn't about being perfect it's about owning what you do and so writing down what you've done kind of helps you own it like yeah I went over my calories today okay you're owning that like you're being accountable for it you've said that you have and now you can make changes to make sure that tomorrow that you don't or, you know, like even just saying it forces you to own your actions and take responsibility for your actions and thus responsibility for your results. So that's kind of, that's the idea behind the daily accountability. But what I was thinking about with this quote is the notion that like you can't control your actions. I think a lot of people would do that. They're like, oh yeah, but I just always, I don't know. I just always overeat on a Friday night okay but that's a choice like you have chosen to overeat on a Friday night like as soon as you own that and you take ownership for it and responsibility for it you can change it but if you almost just sit back and let your response to things happen then like there's not really much you can do and even your response to certain things like I think a lot of people have this fixed mindset around their emotional responses to things so like oh yeah I'm just a really angry person I mean, I'm definitely not, but <laughs> if you could imagine that, uh, like, I don't know, or I'm just very aggressive. Like, you don't have to stay like that. If you have a personality trait that you don't like, I think we assume that these things are fixed. They're not. Like, you can change the way that you respond to things. It will take effort, but you can literally change anything about yourself, especially when it comes to your personality. Or, or it's not even personality, I guess, but like, essentially the way that you respond. It's, your attitude yeah and it's actually probably the only thing that you can control like you can't really control what happens to you life will happen yeah. bad things will happen good things will happen there's a lot in fact almost everything and i think the last year has sort of taught us this that you do not have control over but what you do yeah. have control over is how you respond to that so you can respond to lockdown by sitting on your ass overeating feeling sorry for yourself you know being on furlough but not doing any work or you could be like okay actually this is pretty crap I'm not gonna lie but there's an opportunity here like this is a change in environment and I can make the most out of this change in environment like I can still train at home I can still eat a good diet in fact like and depending on the situations you're in but maybe I'm on furlough which means I've got more time which means that I can pursue this other thing that I've always wanted to do and now I have more time to do that or I can teach myself something or you know I can do DIY in the house like you can make the most out of a shitty situation if you choose to and that's what's in your control your what's in your control isn't coronavirus you you cannot control that but you can control how you respond and it's the same with yeah. tiny things as well like you can control how you respond to being late for something you can turn up pissed off, angry, emotional, in a shitty mood and late. Or you can be like, I'm late, but I'm still going to turn up as my best self. And I'm just going to accept that there's nothing I can do about that. And I think that that yeah. takes a lot of hard work to do. It doesn't just happen overnight. Like changing your mindset around things and changing how you respond to things takes a lot of time. And I, I spoke about this briefly yesterday, but... I would say that, I don't know, things that maybe used to piss me off for a full day, I'm probably now at the stage where they piss me off for a couple of hours. And the more and more you work at that, the more, the easier it is to let go of things. So maybe, maybe in a year, I'll be at the stage where something that used to piss me off for four hours only pisses me off for 30 minutes now. Yep. Dream. Which well, means you just it, show it? up it's... better, right? Yeah. If you, you know, I think a lot of folk obviously there's a difference between this kind of positivity that's put on and like as a mask but genuinely like i i it's again 
put it back to my dad's um, good good stuff like good teachings from my dad but also from sport that do you know what things going to happen you can either freaking wallow in pity over them or you can go well actually there's a positive on this and i can go after and do this you know life's not going to be fun the whole time it's going to be shit times you know and you know the the pandemic's shown us that but it's about how you react to it. it's about how you um react in yourself and how you portray yourself so you know if you want to be negative nancy fire on but i'm quite happy being generally fun happy me no matter what the script that's just the way it is so andy's the best also that oh. completely rubs off oh yeah 100 percent. i think it is one of those it's one of those weird ones like you know you know what we're like when we get when we end up having a training session together like you're buzzing after it because you're obviously bouncing stuff off each other we're both pretty positive people and you're happy and everything's like but you know what it's like when somebody comes in a steps in a room who's like a, it's a like negative jesus that's tough work even for someone who, as positive as me or you it's hard going like you just yeah, sit and go raining right <laughs> oh man like i'm sitting going i could quite happily get up at five o'clock every morning and work with clients from five until like five, 12 hour shift come back do some online stuff and it's still not as draining as spending 20 minutes with this idiot <laughs> yeah. going, jesus i think i've just been through 25 rounds with tyson fury i'm absolutely broken but yeah why be that person? Why be that person? Yeah, but I always feel sorry for people like that because I'm like, imagine being that much of a drain on like... Mm, yeah. yeah, I do feel sorry for them, but at the same point, it kind of then puts things into perspective for me as well of the fact that I'm bloody glad I'm not like that. Yeah. Like, no matter what gets chucked at me, like, you know, it's I'm pretty easy ozy. And it's just a case of you just kind of roll with the punches and get on with it. I had someone um, DM me today, like disputing something I'd said about the transgender post, which was fine. Like it was a really, you know what? If it had been done in a different way, a really good conversation. And like, I'm always more than happy mm. to be challenged. I'm more than happy to discuss these things. I'm happy to share my references and resources and whatever. I love having these discussions because like, maybe I'll learn something from them. Yeah. But she had like the worst manners i've ever come across like to the oh it was just and i almost wanted to be like would you like a little bit of constructive criticism here just just, like if you speak to people like this you will get nothing from them like i don't know i'm just like do people who speak like that actually realize that and chloe and i were talking about this yesterday actually because I'd had a message from someone and they they were just so nice. They were like, I know I'm taking up more of your time than usual on, on like a group coaching program. Let me know if I can pay you for this time. Like, I really appreciate it. Now, as soon as someone says that, I'm like, have as much time as you want. Like, yep. as much time as you want. But yeah, it's like literally just that tiny bit of manners. You're literally just saying, I really appreciate you. That's it. That, that's all you need to say. Or like, in in the other instance of the dm just like not be rude and abrasive and like yeah <laughs> somewhat like aggressive as well but the thing yeah, is though, it's the, like it's, how you come across is it's so like, important you know i it's as soon as someone starts being like that you straight away the, the shut you're done that's it i'm not interested anymore like i'm not i'm not willing to entertain this conversation whereas somebody who as you said exactly like that is exactly said there asking questions oh i'm so sorry for asking all these questions no 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 don't apologize like you've i'm quite happy to to, to sit and give you the answers that you need um because because you've been polite and you, polite it's not respect polite and it is polite and respectful but not in the way that you put it it's just they're being nice and open and friendly and you know they're asking they're 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 not being a dick is probably the best way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, or like when someone DMs you and asks you a question and they start with, hi, I really appreciate your time. I wondered what your thoughts were on this. Or like, hi, I love your content. Could you tell me X, Y, and Z? Instead of just like, what should my calories be? Hi, <laughs> <laughs> and that one swiped to the left. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, never got that message. Delete. <laughs> Bye now. 
um yeah so anyway that was really enjoyable thanks andy thanks for your thoughts i hope everyone enjoyed that i hope people have enjoyed the free group the free group will shut tomorrow morning when the paid group opens so if you haven't signed up yet do sign up tag us if you've got any questions about anything really excited to get started for those who have signed up so tomorrow you will i probably just do this live but there'll be a little presentation that i will go through and then on sunday there'll be a q a and you'll have everything if you filled in the type form you'll have everything by tomorrow morning if you haven't filled it in yet it will be at some point during the weekend i'm actually going to a very reclusive island which may or may not have good internet connection but you'll be in very safe hands anyway and that will probably only be for the sunday so do not stress you'll all be sorted out before i go anyway um yeah i'm very excited now about commit to six or about going away commit to six really but i mean like yeah i don't massively enjoy tiny islands but here we go Uh, i think it's i I love it it's just it's nice just to get away and yeah i'm sure i'll love it when i get there yeah it is. I think a lot of it as well is the fact that you've got we've got so much on with obviously commit to six finishing and then the new one starting. You've got so much in your head about I just need to get this stuff done, but I'm also going away. It's like oh, but oh no, I don't really do that. I don't do stress. Do not... No, I'm like it'll get done. Yeah, that's good. I'm I'm very much. I think it's it's one of those ones. I'm I'm always very good at putting things down. So I once it's once if I'm on holiday. I'll get back to stuff as and when I need it rather than worrying about, oh, I better get back to that as quick as possible. So, yeah, I think it's, um, again, it's a mindset thing, isn't it? It is. The ability to switch off. Um, Lindsay's oh. just commented saying, I don't think I filled out my weight on the form. Should I fill it in again? If I don't have any information, I'll just email you. So, I don't know what a hen. I don't know why it's I keep doing really bad Scottish accents today. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to stop. Uh, like, guys, I- if you were listening to this on the podcast and you have enjoyed this chat, then please do share. We would appreciate that at ESG Fitness at underscore Alba Lifestyle. Is that right? Alba, on- yes, that's right. There you go. And if you're ready to sign up for Commit Six, ESGFitness.co.uk. Pow pow. That's all. <laughs>